Welcome to The Lightest Tread, the official podcast of Soul, where we speak to extraordinary and ordinary people who do ordinary and extraordinary things that are good for their bodies, good for the planets, and typify the soul of adventure. I'm your host, Paul Morn Brown, and my guest today is Jess Kunky. Jess is an empowerment and performance coach specializing in holistic nutrition, mindset, and fitness. She's also a triathlete and recently qualified for the 2023 Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii, after a massive comeback performance at Ironman Penticton right here in British Columbia just a few weeks ago. I talked to Jess all about what it takes to compete in one of the world's most physically grueling competitions, her remarkable return to an elite level after a full year with no training, and how to find a balance between what you're putting in and what you're getting out when it comes to endurance sports. Jess wears a sole performance medium footbed in her running shoes, and listeners can get 15% off anything at yoursoul.com when you use the code IRON15 at checkout. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy. Listen up, folks. It's time for the lightest trip. All right, and we're rolling with Jess Kunky. Hey, Jess. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, you're welcome. Where where are you now? Um, currently I am in Minnesota visiting some family. Oh, nice. Normally I am in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. But you spend part of your year up here in beautiful British Columbia, as far as I'm aware. Yes. I guess that was the plan pre-COVID, but COVID kind of threw a wrench in things. Okay. But yes, I've spent a couple of summers up in, in BC and a little bit in Calgary. And you come up here to train and to race? Yep. Uh, my fiance is Canadian. So we, originally it was just to kind of split time between two places that we love. Um, and now, yeah, I mean, Kelowna, Penticton area is the most amazing training for the, in the summer. So can't really beat it. Cool. Yeah, plenty of lakes, plenty of plenty of roads. I guess that's what you need as a triathlete. Lakes, yeah. lakes, still water, still water, and and tarmac. Yeah, lots of uh, nice hills to climb and uh, many miles to bike. Sure, with nice open roads. Hmm. So I'll start by congratulating you on qualifying for the Ironman World Championships. Um, Thank you. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Um, I didn't realize how soon, and it's it's in Kona, Hawaii, right? Yes. And it's just around the corner. Um, yes. So they have a race there every year. My qualification, however, is for next year, or is isn't until next year. Okay. Um, the yeah, I missed the the one week cutoff. Um, Trompe had a race the weekend prior, and that one qualified for this year, but Penticton will be for next year. Okay. So how does the qualification work? How does the whole Ironman circuit work? Is it just based on time, or do you have to complete a certain number of races, or what's the deal? Um, it's based, well, it's not really on time. It's more on placing. Um, so each age group has a certain amount of spots depending on how many athletes are at the race. Um, I don't really know how they do it. Mm. Exactly. Um, usually there's two in every age group. Um, so basically you have to be fast, but also it, 
um, depending on what your competition is and how fast the racers are that day. Mm. Okay. Um, so for in Penticton, I had two spots in my age group. And so I had to place first or second to get my Kona spot. Awesome. And there are a certain number of races during the year that ha- that are Kona qualifying races? Um, all Ironman branded races that are the full distance are qualifiers for Kona. Huh. Okay. Because that is an Ironman branded race. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that you would have to, that if you, if it's placing based, then it also sort of, um, conditions could vary greatly between one race and the next. So if you, everybody could be up against a a more challenging set of conditions in one place, but if you finish first or second, then you still know that you are first or second out of the, out of the bunch rather than, yeah. Cool. That makes sense. Very exciting. Uh, I've I've never been to Hawaii personally. It seems like the part of the excitement would be um, to go there and and have the experience of of the trip itself as much as the actual race. Yeah, absolutely. I know that they do it up with lots of different events and things. Like pretty much for the whole week, it's just like a huge celebration and like an epic race. With I mean. I don't know any race that would be harder conditions than that. What, what is it about uh, that race in particular that makes it so hard? Um, well, the ocean swim um, is usually, it's not still water. Yeah. Uh, so it's usually very wavy. Um, and then salt water, which is not my favorite thing to swim in salt water. Um, and then the bike is very hot, very windy. And then, yeah, same for the run. I mean, you're running and biking through lava fields. And so the conditions are pretty much the, the hardest. Yeah. And yeah, you're like sweating. Nutrition's really important. Your salt intake, hydration that I don't think really most people can even keep hmm. up with because of the amount that you sweat. Hmm. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, lava fields definitely seem more formidable than, I mean, even Penticton gets pretty hot, uh, but I guess lava fields more formidable yeah. than wine farms or whatever's <laughs> around you there in, in BC. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should actually, just for people who, who don't know, um, we should break down just the very basics of, of Ironman um, and what it actually involves. Ironman, for one, is a brand. Um, So they actually do two different distances. They'll do the full distance or the long distance triathlon and then the half or the 70.3. And so there's other races that you can do and there's other brands um, that you can race. So, but then the one for Kona is the full long distance, which is approximately a 4K swim and then 180K bike or 112 miles. And then the full marathon run or the 42.2K. Crazy. And you do that in in uh, how long? Um, depends on the course uh, and the conditions. So things that are flat are going to be faster. And then things that have climbs or go through the mountains are going to be uh, slower. Sure. So Penticton is one of the harder courses with lots of climbing, lots of hills and elevation gain. Um I don't remember what my exact time was. I cracked the 11 hour mark though. That was my goal. Okay. So 11 hours of swimming, cycling, 
and running. Um, and I guess the next kind of obvious question is why? Like, why would you, why would you do that to yourself? And I ask that pretty tongue in cheek because I I think that anybody once you've started once you get into any of these kinds of things you know someone might ask someone could equally ask like oh why would you run a marathon even just the marathon or someone could say why would you run 10k just for the sake of it i guess so it's sort of incrementally but i i do think that at a certain point it's getting a little bit extra and (laughs) why all why all of it why go that far uh mostly for the challenge i would say uh at the end of the day it's everyone's got their own reasons for doing it it's it's not the funnest thing ever mm. like it's definitely the hardest thing ever <laughs> I, I have never mm. done anything that's harder than an iron man um Mm-mm. yeah it's just one of those things like for the fitness um depending on where you start and i'm i mean i'm big into fitness and like pushing my own limits and trying to beat goals. And so it was just sort of the next thing. Um, and like an iconic, you know, if you can do this, that's really cool. And then if you can do well, you just kind of want to keep doing well. So I guess that is something that um, I'm sure very few people start off as completely unfit. Um, so- well, maybe some do. Maybe some people start from sort of a zero basis of fitness and decide, all right, I'm going to turn my life around and, and do an Ironman. But I would assume that most people have a mm-hmm. a sort of a gateway drug of, you know, kind of like me on the me end of the spectrum, running <laughs> running the odd 5K and deciding, okay, maybe now I'll yeah. take on one challenge, one challenge further. Yeah. Did you have sort of a, a has has fitness always been a part of your life? Did you gradually work your way up um yeah i have been into fitness a long time iron man was never something that i ever wanted to do um and actually to your point a lot of people do just jump into iron man because it's it's sort of uh, advertised as something that like anybody can do and so that like it's pretty fantastic to see people that I mean, you wouldn't even guess that they were fit, but they're out there, you know, like walking for six hours of a marathon Hmm. Um, because you have usually until midnight, I think it's 17 hours. um, And some people are out there the full 17 hours just to see if they can do it. I would not want to do that. That sounds awful. (laughs) I would much rather be faster. (laughs) Yeah, I started... um, most of my life I've been a swimmer and I never had the intention of doing anything else. That's actually something that's common amongst swimmers is that we don't do anything on dry land. Um, and so like running, nothing, nothing like that was ever on my radar until Mm. after I finished, finished my swimming career. Um, I swam all all four years in college Mm. and I was, I was burnt out after that and wanted to try something new. So I got into running and somehow got into running marathons. That's actually my favorite thing to do, Hmm. which a lot of people don't like running and don't like running marathons, but I personally love it. Um, And there have been a lot of people that told me, you know, oh, you should try a triathlon. You would be great at Ironman because you can swim and run. 
Um, and most people struggle with the swim mm. and the run. And so I was just like, no, like I've, I've never biked, never owned a bike, didn't bike as a child. Like <laughs> that was not my thing. Um, I had my sights on running the Boston marathon, which when I first started, I didn't think that that would ever happen. Cause I was like, I'm not a runner. I'm so slow. Can't do that. Um, and then sort of had to eat my words because I did. <laughs> qualify for Boston uh, in 2015. I think that was my, well, I ran it in 2015. Um, I qualified the year prior in my, like after my third marathon. Wow. Um, and so that summer I bought a bike and I was like, okay, I'll buy a bike. I'll start biking. I'll try this triathlon thing. Did not take it seriously. Um, but then I, podiumed, I could swim and I could run really fast. And so I got a couple of good races and just decided to keep signing up for them. Cause I was like, Oh, I think I can do pretty good. Like, it seems like I'm good at hmm. this and yeah, just kind of got addicted to doing it more and more and seeing all the fitness gains from a new sport and falling in love with biking. And now here we are. Amazing. <laughs> and so, I mean, you speak about the fitness gains. I'm sure there would be a lot of people who would say this can't actually be good for you. You know, I think especially in relation to the people who are, you know, I mean, they can, they can advertise it as anyone can do this, but it, 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 I can't imagine that it's good for your body to put it through 17 hours of grueling exertion. If you don't approach it in a, super measured, careful, strategic, long-term way. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but tell us a little bit about sort of your regular training schedule and, and how you actually make sure that you're, yeah, that you are doing things in a way that's healthy and, and building you up rather than, than breaking you down. Yeah, that's um, probably the biggest thing that most people struggle with um, is just even making it to the start line because the training in and of itself is so much. Um, and I mean, pretty much everything has to come together just right for you to make it, you know, uninjured and not battling, you know, sickness and, and having work-life balance and sleeping enough and all of those things um, is definitely a challenge. So for most people... Um, it's probably getting a coach, I would say, um, on average, like the average person would be like, yeah, like have no clue how to balance all of that stuff. Cause it is a lot. So my training, I guess it, it sort of evolved over time. Um, I would say probably the average person probably trains around 10, maybe up to 15 hours a week for an Ironman, just because you have to put in you know, good block of time, um, just for like the physiological changes and to be able to handle that sort of distance mm. and all of the, just all of the volume that it takes to compete on that mm. day. Um, I obviously train to be a little bit more elite. So my training can be upwards of like 20 hours a week during the, like the biggest bulk of the, of the training schedule, um, which is usually about a month out from the race, mm. which is, it's a lot. There's not a lot of social media and kind of other things that happen during that time. Cause it's so focused on 
you know, training and recovering and working because I'm not a professional. So I, I do it for fun. As much fun as, as you can have in 20 hours of training a week. <laughs> um, so, I mean, 20 hours of training, I actually had this conversation, uh, not that long ago, I was at a, at a wedding and, um, met someone who had qualified for, for Kona as well. And I was chatting to her about her training schedule and she said 17, she was doing 17 hours a week. Um, or actually she was on a rest week that week. So it was only eight hours of training a week, but I thought, ah, 17 hours a week, like, yeah, it's not that bad really until you sort of break until you realize like this seven days in a week and you have to have sort of recovery time built in there and you have to do your job and until you break down what that actually means on a day-to-day -day basis so in 20 hours in a week how 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 do you how do you structure that how do you squeeze 20 hours of training into a week a lot of it's the weekend um, so yeah, when you're in your bulk of your season and you're trying training for like a full distance triathlon it like the weekends is where most of the volume is because the, the bike rides will be, you know, six, seven hours in one day in one ride. Um, and then usually a long run, the, like the day before or after, which is, I guess the longest run is probably like three hours. Okay. I mean, that can be the half the training right there in just a couple of days sure. and add in, you know, like an hour, hour and a half swim. And then the rest of the training sort of split up into one or two sessions a day in the rest of the week. Sure. Um, typically doing three to four like workouts per week of each sport. So like three swims, you know, if you swim Monday, Wednesday, Friday, maybe an extra day on the weekend. And then the same with like the running and the biking. Um, Sometimes they're back to back. Sometimes you do one in the morning, one in the evening, but it's yeah, pretty much all of your free time. Yeah. Every, every minute that you have in your day, other than when you're actually eating or yeah. sleeping or working crazy. Yeah. So I guess the question is after hearing all that is, is it worth it? I mean, it must be, I guess. <laughs> You must find it worth it. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a hobby and, and a passion. You kind of have to have the, the love for sport and I mean, like to work out, like mm. to have lots of that solitary time. Um, cause it is a lot of uh, introspection. You certainly can listen to podcasts and watch shows and movies on the trainer and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess. So, I mean, what would another person do, you know, sit on the couch and watch TV mm. or I'm like biking and watching TV in the winter. Mm. So, mm. yeah, makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I guess you have to be uh, comfortable uh, in your own company as well, which is healthy in its in itself, I think, uh, to develop that that um, tolerance for being just you, you against yourself, you against the the limits of your your mind really, I guess more than your body. By the time you've done all that training, it's really, can you, can you convince yourself to do it rather than can your body actually get there? Yeah. Oh, there's definitely a huge mental component. Um, even like getting through some of the workouts or just, you know, day after day, like it, you get really tired 
and a lot of the workouts, I mean, they're really hard. Like you're pushing your body to, yeah, sometimes it's probably not the healthiest, um, to be in, you know, this, this state of, I mean, basically it's almost like illness really. Cause it's, yeah, our, our bodies aren't necessarily made for something like mm. this. So maybe, I mean, that's kind of debatable too. Mm. I think our, our bodies can do far more for us than we, we think, mm. um, if we treat them well. How much, uh, I'm very interested in two things. I'm interested in, um, nutrition and I'm interested in recovery. And I think maybe I'll start with recovery. Um, because, so as I said, I'm very casual runner. I run very casually and then every now and then I get into my head that I must try and challenge myself. So I'll do something like signing up for a half marathon. And the thing that I struggle with the most is stretching and foam rolling and doing all the things that I know I'm supposed to do in order to help me train. And I feel like this is kind of a common thing probably amongst people, because if you go, you do the run, yeah. you get back, you feel like, ah, oh, okay, I've done my run. Now I get to sit down and watch TV or <laughs> whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wonder if you'd speak to that a little bit, like, you know, it's not just that you've spent, okay, say it's a random Wednesday and you've been, you've gone for an hour long run and a 45 minute swim or whatever it is. How much is recovery, stretching, that sort of thing built into, into your schedule as well? Um, it's a great question. I am probably also not the best at things like stretching. Uh, but I, that depends on the person too, because I, I'm actually pretty hypermobile, so I shouldn't do a lot of stretching. Um, I actually need more of the like stability side of things. So while I definitely do foam rolling and I love foam rolling, um, for me personally, stretching is not something that I do very often. Um, so mine is more like activation exercises and core work and things like that. That would be like warm ups to my workouts or my, my actual workouts, I guess you would say. Um, so that's really like person dependent. Okay. But I would say most of the recovery is actually in the nutrition. Like that really goes together that most people don't necessarily see. Mm -hmm. I think, um, endurance athletes kind of get labeled as like the people that can sort of eat anything and everyone thinks that you can just eat whatever you want which is kind of true when you're burning you know thousands of calories a day you have a lot more leeway than the average person mm. to eat a little bit more junk <laughs> um and, a, and quite a few more calories um and when you're trying to compete you know elite or do really well or recover faster between workouts uh nutrition is really the key and so it does really matter what you eat and the healthier you eat, the better you recover. And do you, um, do you take care of that yourself? Is that a coach, you know, is that part of your, your coaching, uh, or say you get a coach to coach you through the, the Ironman training, will your coach tell you, all right, well, here's a meal plan uh, along with, um, how much you need to brutalize yourself for the week. Here's also what you're allowed to eat. <laughs> um, yeah, how does how does that side of things work? How do you make sure that you're doing it right? Because I think that nutrition, 
while I I think that nutrition and the whole stretching side of thing are similar in that they are both the difficult parts of reaching um the fitness or physique that people want right i think a lot of people can go to the gym regularly or go running regularly or what mm -hmm. what have you but it like the the other aspects of it that you need to have under control are the things that people struggle the most with and i say that I'm generalizing grossly, but I'm also just kind of speaking to my, to my own experience. And maybe it's just because I have, I've never really engaged with nutrition properly. I mean, I eat pretty healthy in general, um, follow some basic rules, like lots of fruit and veggies and don't eat processed, uh, rubbish, you know, um, too often and don't drink too many beers. Um, but I think like really getting to grips with nutrition is something that is a big challenge, partly because it feels like something you have to get to grips with. It's not just like, okay, well, I know how to run. I, I'll go running. It's like something you have to learn from scratch. Well, maybe not from scratch, but yeah, it's a, it feels like a lot to learn. It feels like a daunting thing to really um, become uh, really adept at or have a, have a sort of good base of knowledge in. So I guess, yeah, how, what's the best way for, for people to do that? Is it to get a coach? Are there, is it just to spend time reading up online? Um, yeah. How, how, how does one go about really getting a good grips on your, your nutrition? Yeah. Um, that's, probably one of the hardest things for people not and not all coaches um like work that into a program so usually coaching is more of the fitness space and then if you want like specific stuff worked out with your nutrition you would work with a nutritionist or like some other sort of nutrition coach um but that kind of depends some people do a little bit of both um like i do fitness programming but i also work with nutrition but that's because it's a passion of mine. And I really got into all of that, like deep dive learning for myself and got into it that way and more experimented on myself and um, like learned kind of my own way of doing things and then went to seek, you know, um, like coaching myself and to help other people with that. So yeah most people probably need somebody um because there's so much online that's so complicated mm. and it's so individualized i mean you can just google like you know what should i eat and there's mm. keto paleo high carb no carb i mean it's just like it's insane yeah. there's so much stuff and it's totally dependent on the individual because what one person responds to another one won't sure and so it's really like experimenting with your own body and figuring out what fuels you. And then, you know, in your day-to-day -day workouts, you know, what'd you eat yesterday? How'd you feel in your workout today? Was that good or bad? And then making tweaks based on that and learning more intuitive eating. I think a lot of people struggle with that in general and could do and, and benefit just from that versus just eating anything and everything or not enough. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. It's, kind of one of those problems where there's so much information on the internet that it's like you can if you look hard enough 
you can find the advice that you're looking for. You, you know what I mean? Like you can almost find someone who agrees with the kind of idea that you hope you're going to find. Um, and then you read that one thing and it's like, oh yeah, well, I can just do it like this or what have you. Yeah. Um, but speaking to someone who's actually knows what they're talking about and, and can pay attention to you and um, your own body and lifestyle and, and what have you, that totally makes sense. So I want to speak about um, your journey specifically to your qualification for Kona um, and the Penticton Ironman um, because you've been on a on a pretty crazy ride over the last uh, year or so. Um, year and a half. Year and a half. Yes. What is, uh, it's been like two years since the start of COVID. Yeah. Year and a half. So I guess let's set the scene sort of pre COVID, um, you were competing in, in Ironman events. Yep. Uh, yes. Uh, 2020 was when, um, Ironman Canada was supposed to be back in Penticton that summer. So this race that just took place was supposed to be two years ago and then COVID happened, you know, the beginning mm. of the year and then everything shut down and yeah, sort of just, it was then waiting, waiting, more waiting. I was definitely, I hadn't done an Ironman in a couple of years and I had like really built up a lot of my personal fitness and I was what I, what I see is like the best shape of my life. I mean, I was at my peak performance, um, and in the spring, actually, like a week before the border shut down between like US, Canada, mm. Mexico, my fiance and I were racing in Mexico and I qualified for the 70.3 world championships. And then my plan was to race um, in Penticton and qualify for the full distance world championship. That would have been my second summer. I was supposed to go with my partner he went to canada and i was supposed to go meet him um but the border restrictions they kept saying oh 30 more days mm. it's going to be closed you know then 30 days would come and pass and oh we're mm. going to close it for another 30 days and so it was like this weird waiting game of trying to train and like figure out what i'm doing with my life and so that like that was a whole thing and then you know that went on until the next fall, winter, spring. Um, and then last year, 2021, that's when everything, I guess, kind of started with, um, like vaccinations. And so, yeah, I, I had gotten, um, my series of vaccines in the spring. And then our plan was to go to Canada after that, um, which did happen. But then I dealt with a lot of crazy health stuff um, that I didn't realize was related to the vaccine at first. Um, but then over the course of the summer, I started to like really figure out that there was something really wrong hmm. with my body. Um, and I couldn't actually get in to see a neurologist until November. So all summer, um, I struggled with, I actually stopped uh, being able to sweat and it was this 
weird. I had no clue. Like I was kind of in the dark, um, kind of experienced a lot of the same side effects that a lot of other people do like insomnia and, um, kind of like bouts of anxiety and other weird, like nervous system stuff, but I didn't really make the connection right away. And I saw, um, like acupuncturists and functional medicine doctors. And I tried to do, you know, like figure out what was going on with me. Um, and so all summer I sort of had this crazy decline in fitness. I really couldn't do anything. Um, when I tried to work out my skin, my body would actually swell up because the fluid wasn't being released in sweat. And so like my, my neck, my lymph nodes would swell, like my face would swell, my arms Oof. and just like the fluid would build up and it was so uncomfortable. And I got these crazy headaches and it was awful. Like I, I pretty much, I couldn't work out. Like I tried to do movement, but if it was, you know, warm outside, which it was very smoky and warm, I would get like an instant headache. I couldn't, like, I really couldn't run. I couldn't do much of anything. Um, had severe brain fog. It was just like a, a massive blur. I couldn't even tell you there was just so much confusion. And, and then I finally got in contact with the Mayo Clinic because I found some information online about not being able to sweat. Um, not related to the vaccine, but just in general, um, some people are born wow. not able to sweat very well. Uh, so it's actually like a nervous system, uh, dysfunction, uh, like an autonomic nervous system issue. Um, and so the, the woman that I talked to there put me on a wait list and she, I like instantly knew what I was talking about. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this was the first time I've even had anybody, you know, able to tell me like, mm. oh yeah, this is a real thing. And, um, so I was on a wait list. And then when I went back to Boulder, I was able to actually see somebody in Boulder who uh, again, mm. like knew what I was talking about. Um, and then yeah, I worked with them and then a functional medicine doctor and I was on, you know, prescriptions and tons of vitamins and pills and, and things, um, for several months before I really saw any changes. Um, and then in January was when I actually started seeing a little bit of change and I was able to start sweating again. And that sort of gradually has been getting back to normal. Um, throughout the summer, I think it took like four or five months. So like springtime until I felt like, okay, I think I'm pretty much back to normal. And then was able to like really start training and pick up my fitness again. So you'd had, you hadn't trained properly in how long by that stage? Almost a year. Wow. Cause I, this all started in March, April of 2020. Mm. And then, yeah, it wasn't until like January that I started to see positive effects. Um, so I was slowly starting to work out again and then, yeah, probably March, April ish mm. is when I was about like 80% back to mm. normal. And then 20, sorry, March, April, 2021, it started 2021. 2021. Okay. Yeah. So about, a, about a year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, how much, um, how much fitness do you lose in a year? You would think that's that basically most of your, I mean, I guess you, 
have a certain base level that you gain and maybe never lose. But after a year of not being able to train at all, you'd think that your body was very much out of, um, yeah, out of kilter with, with the whole experience of, of regularly training to, to a large extent. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to tell. I've never, well, one, I've, I've always kind of had some sort of base level of fitness mm. for a long time, as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, so it wasn't just getting fitness back. I also had like health concerns and mm. like things in my body that weren't fully back to normal. Mm. So it was kind of hard to tell what was, what was from that and what was from just being out of shape. Mm. Um, but yeah, it felt awful. It, I, I felt like I was starting at zero. Like I, I couldn't run half a mile without stopping. Wow. Um, swimming was a little bit better. Um, and then biking, yeah, like an hour bike ride felt really hard. Yeah. I just felt like my legs were bricks and I couldn't push any power. And mm. I would never want to be out of shape mm. ever in my life. I always want to maintain because I, it's awful. <laughs> And yet you managed to, from that position in March, April, so June, July, August, so what, four or five months you've been training and you've got yourself consistently solid. Yeah. It took, I think from, yeah, like January to like April, May, it was, it was like a slow, slow slog. It was just you know, one day I'd feel great. And then it would like dig me into a hole for two days. And then, you know, I'd have a, a, an okay day and it, it was just so up and down. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, I think May is when I decided like, okay, I think I can up the training. Mm. I think I can do Ironman. Wow. Cause it, it's just this whole other level. I mean, you have to like literally double the training that you do. And to be able to consistently like week after week for those few months, like train and recover. Crazy. It, it was hard. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's actually funny because I got COVID in January um, and I didn't have that bad of a, of a case of COVID, but I got the, the long COVID, the sort of, oh. and I had the post COVID fatigue thing and I had exactly that similar and it's something that I've struggled with in the past, actually, is having these bouts of fatigue where, um, you know, as you were saying, no one could actually tell me what was going on. That's something that I can I can definitely um, uh, sympathize with because I've been in that position of, of having this sort of weird lingering fatigue where it's not – my body isn't behaving the way that I want it to behave. Um, and I mm -hmm. can't – there isn't, like, any specific exact reason that I can put my finger on um, – and it's all just kind of a bit confusing and, and frustrating, um, you know, and especially for the other people around, at least in my experience in my life as well, it's like, well, like what's going on? Why can't you come and do this thing or um, whatever it might be? And, and that sense of, of uh, frustration in relation to not having an answer for what's causing you to feel bad, but also not um feeling classically sick 
in the sense of like, oh, mm-hmm. now I have the flu. I know what this is. I have to lie down for a week and a half or a week or whatever it is, and then I'll get better, and in a couple of weeks I'll be okay again. That mm-hmm. that sort of sense of I don't know what's going on, and it's just this sort of low level, at least in my experience, that low level just like, ugh. And I similarly had that thing of like, okay, yeah, today I feel a bit better. Maybe I can go for a jog. And then tomorrow, like, oh, no, I feel horrific after going for that jog yesterday and what have you. And slowly sort of digging your way out of that situation. Um, I can totally relate to. But what I can't relate to is going from there, from that position to um, swimming 4K, cycling 180, and then running a full marathon back to back in less than 11 hours. So it's a it's a pretty remarkable pretty remarkable turnaround. Um, how much I can only imagine. You've referred to Jason a few times, your your fiance. Um, I can only imagine that that it's been a huge help to have somebody else um, around you consistently who shares your passion for this this thing. Jason, who himself is an Iron Man, um, how much of a help has he been through throughout the whole process? Uh, he's he's been an amazing support. He is actually, um, that's his full-time job, if you will. He's a professional. And so like that is his life. Um, and he's definitely had ups and downs with his own battles with different injuries and, um, you know, like putting in the training and then having setbacks, um, and like just super motivating to have me keep going because he's out there doing the same thing you know, day after day and encouraging me. And he's seen, you know, my whole journey and my ups and downs. And yeah, that was, I mean, priceless. It's, it's huge for me and for us. It's really important. Um, that aspect is to have that support and that understanding, um, is huge. Mm, For sure. Um, it was actually through Jason that we first got in contact because he was struggling with his high arches and, and was looking for some help with, with footbeds. Um, and then we in turn, he was like, well, here's Jess. And she also happens to be an athlete. <laughs> and uh, um, I'm interested in that kind of thing. How much is a, how much of a role does, um, things like supportive insoles that the average person might not consider in their, you know, say I'm someone sitting on the couch and I've gone to the couch from my desk at home where I work all day, every day now, and now I'm going to see, and then tomorrow I decide, okay, I need to turn my life around i'm gonna do an iron man because they told me anybody can right um so now i'm gonna yep, do an yep. iron man i guess i better buy some running shoes um and i better get a bike um and i better learn to swim so once i've done all these things how much do do 
how much does the level of gear that you have play a role in your success um, personally at, at the elite level? Gear is a huge deal. Um, I mean, there's, there's a range. If people that have lots of money can definitely spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on gear. Um, doesn't necessarily make you faster. Like there's, there's definitely pieces that are more important. So, uh, you know, like having the biggest, fastest, most expensive bike, like, sure, that's nice, but that's not necessarily necessary. Um, I would say definitely for the run, especially being one of the harder components, um, and the hardest on your body with all of the pounding on the pavement is definitely shoes. And having the right mm. shoes for your body um and uh, i mean i would say insoles i obviously love sole insoles <laughs> they've been huge for me i have had lots of injuries in the past um i'm hypermobile so i don't have very stable ankles my balance is kind of bad i've worked on it but um shoes are huge. I've had an Achilles injury in the past that I've had to stop running for and get treatment. Um, I've had sprained ankles and all of that kind of stuff. So finding the right shoes and the right support is, I mean, it's huge. It affects everything up the chain, ankles, knees, hips, back. I've had low back issues. Um, so it's kind of just battling all those things and making sure that everything is fit for you and good for your body and you know, has you basically being healthy, really. Um, it's not necessarily the most expensive thing. Um, it's just finding like what's best for you and what's going to help you be successful. Hmm. Um, so I had another question, which I had mentioned to you before, um, which might seem kind of a little bit silly. Um, and we've been sort of walking the tightrope of, of political conversations without wanting them to be political. Um, but I am interested in whether it feels weird as a woman to compete in a competition called Ironman, whether you give it any second thoughts. Um, uh, yeah, I, and I and I realize also that it's obviously a branding thing. Um, yeah, do, 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 do you ever give it any thoughts? Is it something that's even on sort of your mental horizon? Does it just completely not matter to you? Does it feel a little bit strange? Um, yeah, I guess it's not necessarily. I mean, I guess I can't speak for everyone if it's like a huge debatable topic or not, because um, it is a brand. And mm. so it's a little hard to to change that, I guess. I think Iron Man st sort of steals the show for like anything triathlon related, especially in, in the US and North America. Sure. Um, whereas like other companies are much bigger in Europe and, and other parts of the world like challenge. Um, and so, you know, everybody, that's, that's what they think of when they're like, oh, you do triathlon. Like, oh, you do, you know, Iron Man. And it's like, well, Iron Man's a brand. There's much more beyond Iron Man. Um, hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Not, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily myself think that it matters either. I just, um, yeah, 
I mean, the, it is separate divisions between men and women within Iron Man. I assume that's an assumption on my part. Yeah, they're yeah they're definitely like separated, um, and mm. then everything's separated on age group. Um, I, I think there's other other things that would take the focus, like just getting more women into sport. And I, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily a factor. Like I, Ironman doesn't have a problem getting people to sign up for their races. So even if it is like a huge thing, people are still signing up for it. So are they going to change it? No. No, probably yeah. not. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, so... Speaking of getting more women into sport, I know that you do uh, coaching um, as well. Do you do you coach women or girls in in particular? Um, do you coach anybody? Um, I do coach men and women. Um, I do like coaching women. That's more of my specialty, um, kind of all around. With like the life coaching and nutrition coaching, I do as well. Um, has been like a lot of like women's empowerment and women focused. For sure. And I'm really interested in, um, I read on your website that you're all about uh, balance and, and coaching, sort of achieving a sense of balance and balance between different positive things um, like motivation and striving to be the best you can, but also self-care and, and uh, I'm not sure you had it listed there, but self-compassion. I know something that I struggle with is I will um, say every now and then, like currently is the case, I've signed up to do this half marathon and it's like, okay, now I have to do this slightly more seriously. I have to run more consistently and that's kind of why I sign up. I sign up in order to give myself a reason to be more consistent in, in doing it. I sign up not for the sake of the race, but for the sake of the training almost. Mm, yeah. But then I also know that I'll beat myself up if I, 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 I hate being, I'm like quite a competitive person, even though I haven't really, I know I haven't done, I, I don't take it seriously enough to justify feeling like I should be faster than as many other people as I feel like I should be faster than. Okay. Um, so I, I, I definitely struggle a little bit with um, exactly that balance between striving to to do something and, and, and better myself through something like a challenge, um, like running 22 K as quickly as I can. Um, and also on that flip side of that, telling myself like, no, it's, it's okay. If you don't run it as fast as you did last time, because, you know, for whatever reason, um, so yeah, I wonder if you could speak to that at all if if um how you approach sort of encouraging balance in in people in, in that way in particular yeah um i think endurance sport is known for being imbalanced especially mm. iron man like it and it's very like masculine in and of itself it's like push drive you know achieve the goal like do more, do better. Um, but too much of that leads to burnout, just like anything else. So you can get, you can get burnt out me mentally, physically, you can get injured. Um, 
all of that sort of takes a toll. Um, and so for me, it's, it's like fitting in those goals, but also balancing it with your life and your obligations. So that can be job or family. Um, and that's not always the easiest thing. So usually it, it does require most people to have a coach, um, even the person that's the most self-driven and motivated um, can easily overdo it or spend all of their time so focused on that one thing that all of these other pieces fall to the wayside. Um, and especially with sport, like our bodies, our bodies break down. And if our bodies aren't breaking down, our minds definitely can. And those things kind of go hand in hand because one can definitely push the other and assist. Um, but it's complicated. There's so many other factors. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, sure. Totally. I guess it's, it's, um, I guess it's all comes down to the person in question and, um, yeah, dealing, dealing with everything on a, on a case by case basis. And you saying the sort of balance between mind and, and body definitely reminds me also that, um, I run usually as much for my, my mental health as for my physical health. Um, and so it's good to have a reminder of, of that. Actually, maybe this is just the chat that I needed just to <laughs> remind me that it's not worth getting stressed out about, about how fast <laughs> I end up running 22 K as long as I can do it. I'm, I'm supposed to be running to make my mind feel better rather than make it feel under pressure. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of people, um, feel that same way, but it, again, it kind of depends on what your goal is because that's, that's not everybody. Um, I think the people that have that as a goal though, is a little bit more balanced because they see the value of not just the fitness for physical, but also that mental component, um, as opposed to somebody that's, they don't see it as like a positive mental health piece. And so it can mm. definitely be like a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of like self-deprecation, like a lot of just like negativity in that way mm. um, that I've definitely seen. And that's, that's not the healthiest. Mm. You mentioned earlier, you don't really like, it's not really, it's not fun. Exactly. Um, you take, I'm sure a huge sense of satisfaction. Um how do you balance yourself that that sort of pull between motivating, but at the same time, taking satisfaction from from what you're doing? How do you avoid getting into a thing of like, oh, be better, do more? Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely the tricky balance. The positive mindset and like positive self-talk um, and thinking of things to be grateful for is definitely something that's really important to me personally, um, especially everything that's happened in this last, you know, year and a half. There were many points, I mean, all the way up until the race that I was very doubtful that I would even be able to finish the race um, because my training was so up and down. But then on the day you, you sort of, you know, put all of that aside. And I think 
you know, all of the, the positive affirmations and just enjoying the day and, you know, reminding yourself of all of the training that you have put in, like, that's really what makes a difference. Um, because when your body hurts and you're starting to break down and you're tired and you just like, you want to quit, which you do, (laughs) um, it's just reminding yourself that, you know, like I'm out here, like, it's a beautiful day. You know, I paid for this. This is actually fun. Like I've put in so much training and so much work. Um, I can do this. Like I've done this before. Um, and it's like balancing it all out, even in your specific workouts, you know, there's like pushing intervals and, and doing things that are hard, but also, you know, like doing it for the, the peace and the alone time and, and enjoying, you know, the scenery, um, or if you're training inside, you know, like you get to watch a TV show and get fit at the same time. Like there's plenty of things that you can see as, as positive. And I really find that those things are beneficial to focus on and that they help much more than, you know, talking negatively and just trying to push yourself to, to some sort of break point or I don't know, like always achieving. It's just not sustainable. Yeah. Cool. Well, next time I'm running up and down the hill, running hill sprints outside early on a (laughs) Thursday morning, I'll remind myself I paid for this. I must enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Or that it will make you stronger. Yeah. So all, you know, all the people that that's something for Penticton is, you know, you, you train and it's so hard. Like I have cried on so many bike rides (laughs) because it's so hard climbing all the hills and you're just exhausted um but then you know like reminding yourself that the day of like all the work you put in and all of those miles and all that pain and suffering like on the day is just like i'm ready for this most people underestimated or yeah underestimated um the course and it was much harder than they expected and i like i was so prepared because i was like i have trained harder than this course i can do this awesome I also, I also do get a, it does give me a sense of satisfaction. Um, and I, I guess people might, a lot of people might say it shouldn't be about comparison. People say often, um, what is the, the expression? Uh, don't compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to yourself yesterday or something like that. Don't compare yourself to where someone else is compare, you know, compare yourself to where you were yesterday. But, and I, I think that's probably great advice 99% of the time, but I also do take a bit of satisfaction if I can run past someone or when I'm, <laughs> you know, sprinting up the hills and the other people are going to work or walking out looking tired and, and unhappy first thing in the morning and definitely gives you a sense of satisfaction to feel like um, there's a part of my life that I'm, I'm doing this for me and it's making me stronger and it's making me better. Um, and not everybody, I guess that's what really what it comes down to is that it's not about that person versus me. It's about not everybody gives themselves the time to do this thing. Um, and, and gives themselves the space to, to work on their own body and and mind and health in in this way so feeling good about that 
there's always a little bit of comparison oh, yeah. for most people, I think. Yeah. And that's, it's just not not doing it too much and comparing yourself to, you know, people that are better than you or faster than you or whatever it is, you know, remembering that those people put in the work. So you have to do that too. Um, and focusing on that, like what you can do for yourself to be better, again, is totally different than what someone else might be doing, but doing what's right for you and what's what's balanced for you, what fits in your life and what has you you know, like having all of the pieces in your life that you want. Totally. And being cognizant of the fact that that person's circumstances are different to your circumstances inherently. Um, and that person's challenges are different to your challenges inherently. Um, but for sure, a, a bit of uh, comparison to other people can can be healthy, we'll say. All right, Jess. Well, thanks very much. I feel like that's probably enough of you uh, listening to me therapizing myself <laughs> about, about my Thursday morning sprints. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot. I've uh, found this super interesting. Um, and yeah, congratulations again on your achievements, your pretty remarkable achievements over the last months. Before we stop, before I, before I let us go, I'm actually interested. How do you maintain between now and Kona? Do you carry on your training the same as it has been? Do you have like a bit of a slump and then pick up training again leading up to that race? Do you have other races in between? Like, what do you do to maintain between now and then? Yeah, no, it's definitely not not maintain the yeah that level of training and fitness is yeah you can't maintain oh. that. Um, so there, there is definitely a dip. Um, I actually have a marathon that I'm running here in three, two weekends, three weekends. Um, and then I'll have more of like an off season. Um, okay. so I'll get back into like cutting the volume way back, which I already have done, um, yeah. working on strength and stability and, and like all of the you know, pieces that are going to make me stronger for the next season. And then, um, next year going to have a pretty big schedule, um, with Kona being the end of it all. So I'll have a, a couple different peaks in the year. Um, will be interesting with also getting married and going on a honeymoon. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> that'll, that'll be part of the, the less training and then, um, yeah, ramping it back up, but no, it's definitely, uh, going up and down and, and building and, and recovering. Um, hmm. and so, yeah, that's where most people benefit from a coach because doing anything, you can't just, you know, maintain and do more more more, you know, week after week, you do need breaks in there. Sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's interesting. It's funny that, um, uh, running a marathon is your, not quite your downtime, but pretty, pretty close to it. <laughs> <laughs> Cut, cutting out all of the cycling yeah i feel like i'm not doing anything now but it, it's still a lot yeah sure but that yeah that's all relative mm. that's also my favorite piece is the running so i'm really excited to get back to just running cool. yeah yeah awesome well um yeah fantastic uh good luck for all of that enjoy Thank you. Um, send our best to Jason. 
And well, yeah, yeah, thanks very much for your time. That's it then, folks. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can get 15% off at yoursoul.com by entering the code IRON15 at checkout. So grab yourself a pair of footbeds just like Jess uses and turn yourself into an Ironman. Why not? Or you could just stick to running like me. <laughs>